It's extra drama for book number 63, The New Elizabeth. Hello, gladiators. Welcome back to Sweet Valley Diaries. This time it's extra drama. We're talking even more about the book, The New Elizabeth. I'm Marissa Flaxbart, and I'm here with Caitlin McCann. Hi, Caitlin. Hello. In this book, Elizabeth is trying to reinvent herself. And the last time you read a Sweet Valley book, Jessica was trying to reinvent herself. We probably talked about this then, but I'm curious if you ever went through like a high school phase like this, where you were like worked really hard or, or made any kind of conscious effort to like do a reinvention. Okay. Well, yes, I feel very strongly that that happened to me in high school. I also feel very strongly that that happened to me on the cusp of my 30s, which I think is an interesting Ooh, uh, let's dual, talk about that one. <laughs> dual dynamic there. Um, so first of all, we can talk about both. But yeah, we can talk about both. I I think that it's very normal for any teenager to feel, especially in retrospect, when you're looking, you're looking in that rearview mirror, that you're like, oh yeah, I was just trying on a lot of identities in high school. I was trying to figure out what worked, um, what I liked, like trying to find my way. I feel that that's sometimes overblown in in fiction but still feels very true to life like where you really are just trying to figure out who the heck am i like um i remember in high school i joined a musical or auditioned for a musical because i lost a bet like (laughs) and but that ended up becoming a huge part of my then existent personality in high school is because i then became a theater kid after losing a bet and getting conned into auditioning for Seussical the Musical. Oh my gosh, you did that in high school? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I was a who. (laughs) Gladiators, Caitlin is a somewhat diminutive person. Yes. Um, So I'm sure that that was even more the case in high school. Or were you just this tall already? We had a, a, before you answer, we had a production of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that I was in when I was in high school. And um, the, all of the Oompa Loompas were played by seventh graders. And I remember being really uh, surprised by that because I was the same height in my sophomore junior year of high school as I had been in seventh grade. Like I, that's when my growth spurt happened already. I was already that tall. So it would not, I would not have been Oompa Loompa sized. Uh, So in my ultimate hubris, I sprung up (laughs) uh, pretty intensely around fifth grade. And Mm. I was, I was tall for like a hot minute by fifth grader standards, you know? And I was like, yeah, this is my life. I'm going to be tall and majestic. And I look at me and my ability to grow. And then I capped at that point. Like, I didn't get any taller <laughs> than I got well, in fifth grade. <laughs> that's kind of the, uh, the you know, biology forcing uh, change in persona on you there. Yeah. So I became, I mean, like, for, for clarification, folks, I'm I'm like 5'2"-ish. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, terribly short, but, you know, uh, some shelves at the grocery store are harder to reach than others. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, all that to say, I made a um, 
thoroughly acceptable who in Whoville in high school. That's amazing. That's amazing. This is apropos of nothing, but I just feel like mentioning it because it's going to be somewhat timely. Um, I posted about this on Instagram recently. So A.D. Bryant recently had a a sketch on Saturday Night Live, the episode that Oscar Isaac hosted, where she talks about how she has played a hundred different like moms and sort of like older women and that as a reward for getting for playing a hundred of those, she gets to do a sketch of her own. She, you know, does this sketch where she's, you know, this sexy object, uh, the sexiest woman alive, or whatever, the most desirable woman, and Oscar Isaac is her love interest. And I watched that sketch. I was rewatching SN. I mean, I was watch. I watch SNL on Sunday usually, like Sunday afternoon, and I watched it, and I immediately rewound it and watched it all over again because I pretty much exclusively during my drama years as a teenager always played like somebody's mom or like dowager and I was thinking about my role in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and how I was like Veruca Salt's mom which is not a character in the movie but it was in the book yeah and um I hadn't even thought about that one but just an endless stream of uh in in a Alice in Wonderland I was the duchess in Singing in the Rain, I was Miss Dinsmore, who's the voice coach. You know, it's just like... I love Miss Dinsmore, though. It was a great part in everything, but, like, I wanted to be, you know, Debbie Reynolds. Like, well, <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want to be Debbie Reynolds? <laughs> right. Right. So, anyway, that has, I, that has nothing to do with reinvention. If anything, I think that more speaks to me, my inability to force a new persona on myself and that's that's pretty much been true my whole I mean I haven't tried that hard I think the biggest time I can think of where I like had a real conscious thought of like self-reinvention was probably when I started college Mm -hmm. and it was really like oh wow for the first time in since second grade I'm going to be with like a whole new cast of characters and something that was very true at I went to University of Chicago. The college at University of Chicago is full of um, people who in high school were largely all the same kind of person. I don't (laughs) want to be too much of a blanket statement, but like we were all probably honors kids, mostly honors kids, mostly pretty nerdy kids in high school. And then you go to college and it's you have it's its own microcosm you have a whole new series of you know arts kids and drama kids and frat kid guys and jocks and you know weirdos we were (laughs) anyway it was a new thing but I don't think I really changed that much other than my own like biological change of having some serious uh like anxiety issues <laughs> that changed my personality for me from time to time but one of the main ways that materialized was in me feeling so unlike myself so that doesn't really count as a personality change because i was clocking that it was occurring Whew, sorry that was a big info dump from me just now <laughs> It's okay. This it's is why good. I can't I can't pretend to be somebody else because <laughs> I start talking and it's just like here I am. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I am the same way. I tend to just be like, "Oh, you asked me a simple question, so let me tell you my entire backstory of how <laughs> I came to be this character on the pl- on this part of the planet." Thank you. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did I I did have a pierced nose for a little while in college. <gasps> that felt really? a little bit like 
Yeah. And I thought about getting a tattoo for a while when I worked uh, a retail job after after college and a lot of people that I worked with had tattoos, but just never did. I never did it. And now I feel like it's more avant-garde not to have one. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, this, I think this is uh, a bit of a, a segue or a stretch of a segue. But speaking of tattoos, like I, I referenced earlier that like me on the cusp of my 30s had maybe gone through a bit of a switch. So like, mm-hmm. um, the last I was on this show, I was still working towards my doctorate at UCLA in uh, the field of cinema and media studies. And I truly thought that was going to be the rest of my life. I thought like I had been building like truly meaningfully since I was like nine or 10 years old towards getting my master's and my doctorate. Marissa and I met for the first time while we were both pursuing our master's degrees at uh, mm-hmm. Chapman University. And so that's that's the origin story of our friendship. But uh, so I continued from that space to work on my PhD. Um, And then at the start of 2020, before the pandemic uh, gobsmacked us, I basically went through an intense existential crisis uh, because I had spent my entire life thinking I was going to be a professor. Uh, And then I was like, oh, crap, but I'm really unhappy in academia. Like, Mm. deeply, profoundly unhappy as a person in this space. Which is not to say that there aren't great things about being an academic. uh, But I just realized that it was not for me, even if there were parts of academia that I was quite good at. Yeah, Um, there are great things about running marathons, but I'm not interested. Heck, yeah, no, God, no. (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, Me either, in case that was unclear to anybody uh but but what i ended up doing was making this huge pivot to working as a researcher at a video game company um and it in that time in making that huge life change um i started to i think peel back some layers about becoming like a more authentic version of myself because i had let go of this image of what it needed to well, who I needed to be to be this academic that I had told myself I needed to be for most of my life. So uh, why tattoos are an excellent segue is in <laughs> the like two years that I've had uh, this new job, this new career that I truly love and feel extraordinarily seen by. Uh, I have gotten two new tattoos. I have dyed my hair crazy wild colors uh, I have like let myself truly explore my own mini versions of of new selves and makeovers and all of that good stuff that Elizabeth and Jessica have gone through in past books. Instead of where Elizabeth and Jessica go through these like temporary phases and it's like, oh, they're just trying on, they're doing that teenage thing of like trying on a new identity, this, this new phase in my life uh, definitely feels like stepping into who I've always been and I just didn't, wasn't honest about it before or was hiding it in the name of professionalism or was holding back who I was because I didn't think it would be accepted by my family. And I feel like that's the real gift of the transitions you go through in your late 20s, early 30s versus like the feelings and transitions you start to go through in your teens where you're just trying things out for the first time. And then with a little bit more perspective, you're kind of like, huh, 
Interesting. I'm going to make the shift with more authority and see how it sticks. <laughs> oh, that's really lovely. I'm so happy for you, too, that you have had that opportunity and that freedom um, and that you could go through that positive experience and positive change as growth out of something that was initially a very like negative and disappointing and tumultuous sort of realization. I think as far as it applies to Jessica and Elizabeth, you're totally right that in our teenagehood, we're more likely to like try something on for a little while than we are as adults, uh, at least in my experience. But I think that if these books were more like reality and less like a never ending series of books about teenagers <laughs> that never get any older and uh, and a series that gets increasingly less realistic as it goes on, then what would happen would not be Elizabeth tries out surfing, learns she's really good at it, and then is like, never mind, I'll never do it again. <laughs> Instead, Elizabeth, um, it'll be more like when Elizabeth learned how to play the recorder. And now every once in a while, she's playing the recorder in these books. You know, she she grows a little bit more as a person. And I will be excited to see Elizabeth surf a little bit more, you know, once or twice in some of these future books. But I'm not holding my breath because the book yeah. left it as like, she might not do it anymore. Yeah. She'd rather go back to being her former self. And I think there's like a genuine flexibility that being a teenager sometimes affords you, even if you feel trapped and stuck as a teenager, which is very valid in that moment. I don't ever mean to diminish somebody's experience that way, but I feel like um, there's, there's a certain like societal or personal flexibility that as a teenager, you can like pick up a hobby, find out you're pretty great at it. And then be like, cool. That was, that was a fun time I just had. Let me go. Like, drop that. I mean, to be fair, I've had, I, I know adults who do the same thing, though, who are just, <laughs> who are mm. like, that was my personality for three months, and now I'm moving on. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, maybe not my personality. I definitely would describe myself as a bit of a hobby collector, but I come back around to them. Yeah. Uh, it's also important to say that there's nothing wrong with museums <laughs> or Scrabble or marine biology. So if that's what you want, Liz, then you go, you go for it. Yeah. Listen, I, I actually, great, weird segue again. I went to LACMA for the first time in years recently. Uh, and most of most of my reticence there had more to do with, you know, a little thing called COVID-19 than anything else. Um, but we had some family in town and they, they like wanted to do something. And so like we all masked up and like went, we're all faxed. And so we went, we went to LACMA and it was so profound to me to be like, I'm in a museum right now. Mm. How beautiful that I'm in a museum and wow, how much have I missed this? Totally. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a deep amount of satisfaction that you can get from being in a, in a museum, Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> These 1990 teens, I don't know how good they have it. <laughs> Although of course, many of the uh, episodes of Sweet Valley Diaries are kind of more devoted to the concept of they, them not knowing how bad they have it. But right. in this one area, their freedom to go to museums as they as they see fit, uh, they're very fortunate. Well, I'm so glad, Caitlin, that this conversation yielded such a interesting uh, personal revelations from us both. Hopefully the gladiators <laughs> found them edifying as well. 
Uh, and thanks again for, for doing this, for being, I don't think there'll be another The New Blank book for you to come on about, so we'll have to come up with something else uh, for you to talk about on the podcast. Oh, give me one of the weird ones next time if you if I'm lucky enough to come back. <laughs> give me like a really weird one. I think we can arrange for that to happen, yeah. Cool. Because <laughs> I would love All to right. come back. These are, these are truly uh, like weird, weird little oasises that I look forward to every time. Amazing. <laughs> I, that's what I love to hear, since I'm I'm the one that's dragging people into this <laughs> week after week. <laughs> and gladiators, thank you for being dragged into this as well. I hope you enjoyed uh, the uh, the dragging. <laughs> <laughs> um, tune in next week to find out about the ghost of Trisha Martin. Until then, I'm Marissa Flaxbart, and you've been Caitlin McCann. Bye. <laughs> And, you know, like we end every episode of Sweet Valley Diaries, like we end up, shit. (laughs) How do we do it? No, all I'm trying to say is uh, my famous sign-off catchphrase for extra drama, which is, bye. (laughs) Oh, my God.